Hey friends, welcome to the show. Today we have special guest, Lauren Nelson. She is an author of the book, Sheroes of the Bible. You heard me right, that's hero with an S on the front. Sheroes of the Bible is gonna help young girls in your life understand their place in God's creation story. And thank God that that is not a place of being marginalized and minimalized. God loves women and Lauren Nelson and her book are going to show us that God has such a place of high esteem for women. Lauren Nelson is a pastor with her husband of a church in Washington, and they have two beautiful children together. Lauren Nelson brings just a great deal of wisdom and compassion from her story, not only through her upbringing and her struggles from her own life, but also with the 20 plus years of ministry experience that she has. She is going to be discussing with us today in a very real and encouraging way about how to overcome fear with faith. You can connect with Lauren at www.laurenlnelson.com. That is www.laurenlnelson.com. And you can also connect with Lauren on Instagram or Facebook at Sheroes of the Bible. And I do hope that you will tell your friends and family about this episode. Anyone that you know that struggles with fear or past hangups or they have a wrong perception of what God thinks about them, this episode is going to be greatly encouraging. I am so glad to have Lauren Nelson on the show. Let's get started. Hey friends, welcome to the Weed Seeds and Beautiful Things podcast. I have special guest with me, Lauren Nelson. She is an author and a pastor with her husband in a church in Washington, and they have two beautiful children. She has authored the book, Sheroes of the Bible, discussing how women were never overlooked by God and helping young ladies and women alike to know that their place with the Lord is safe and secure. Lauren, it is a privilege to have you on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a joy to be here. So I want you to tell us a little bit about the weather in Washington right now, because it is like mid late October here in, in Oklahoma. It is still summer and I am not a beach bunny. Is it any better where you are at? <laughs> well, better and worse in some regards. Today is absolutely gorgeous. It's probably in the fifties, but wow. it's but it's sunny and beautiful, but starting tomorrow, the rain is coming and who knows if it will ever stop. Um, here in Washington, that's what it does. (laughs) I love rain. I did too, but I could use the sun maybe one or two days a month. That's how much I love rain. Well, and so I grew up in California (laughs) and I moved to Washington because I love the rain, but then the, the year that I came for college, they had 99 consecutive days of rain. Okay, and I lot. thought this is a little much. Yeah. yeah. So, but it doesn't quite do that <laughs> bad, but it depends on the year. Sometimes we don't barely see the sun and that's not so fun. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, maybe I have to rethink my love of rain to that extent <laughs> then. Cause I guess I wouldn't just get my days when I wanted them. It would just kind of be like, 
the weather. Okay. You get what you get and you, you don't get throw what you a get. Fit. <laughs> I always love to know about the weather because I rarely have gotten to travel. So I don't really know what a lot of other places are like. And I've had yes. some people from all around and they have neat weather stories. So well, we do have beautiful changing <laughs> color trees right now. Wow, so that's okay. something I love. We get the fall colors. That's my favorite. And we get the fall colors with 90 degrees. So it's okay. just not fair. <laughs> no, I don't like 90. No, thank no. you. All right. <laughs> So you have a unique story and I would like for you just to tell my audience a little bit about the past struggle that you have had. We are going to be talking today about your book and, but that book came from a place. And so give my audience a little bit of a backstory of that place where your book came from. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. So my book came from, uh, out of my experience with dealing with fear. Um, fear has been a huge thing in my life since the time that I was a little girl. Um, and so for me, it was really important to share with my daughter about these amazing women Mm -hmm. in the Bible who conquered fear, um, and experienced God's mercy and his grace and his miracles when they trusted him um, more than their fears. So that was a huge thing for me. So for, for me, I was raised in a Christian home. Um, my dad, taught me the stories from the Bible from a young age. I have a twin sister. So it's just the two of us, just me and my twin sister, my dad and my mom. And my dad just spent special time teaching us the scriptures when we were young and we would learn from a children's Bible. And I just remember him really making the Bible come alive. But one of the things that I loved that he did was that he helped me understand that the women uh, or that the men and the women in the Bible were just ordinary people like you and me. They're just like you and me. Okay. And so that was hugely impacting. Um, So, you know, I had a fairly normal, you know, what you would call normal, safe, Mm -hmm. uh, immediate family with my, with my mom, my dad, my sister. But when we would go and visit extended family across the United States, we would go and and fly um, about once a year for, Mm -hmm. you know, two or three years, we would go to visit these extended family members. And I keep their identities a secret because people are still alive and living. And so um, I won't say who they are. Yeah, but they, so when we would go and visit them, we would stay in their home um, and my sister and I would sleep in the same bedroom and in the middle of the night, another extended family member who lived about a mile away, but who had a key to the Mm -hmm. house, he would come with his wife and take my sister and I out of our bedroom in the middle of the night and, um, take us to another location. So we went in a car, we drove to another location where Mm -hmm. they would take us. And there was other men and women and unfortunately other children that were there as well. Um, in this location that we would go, what they were there to do was to worship the enemy. Okay. So it was satanic in nature. And so they, um, there with satanic abuse, there is a lot of, um, sexual abuse that goes along with it, you know, and, and so there was sexual abuse, there was mental abuse, there was, you know, emotional and spiritual abuse. So all together, um, that was involved. Now I want to reiterate, if I didn't make it clear, my parents were sleeping, so they had no idea what was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, and it would take place during the middle of the night and then we would be returned um, to our home. So while we were there, what I ex- experienced was just a, a lot of, um, 
mental mind games and also spiritual Absolutely. abuse in, in the sense that they tried to say that Satan was bigger, uh, you know, try to show you that God isn't going to show up. He's not going to come through for you, that kind of thing. And so and for it a was child, I would imagine. Yeah. Terrifying. That, so you had a family member, somebody that you trusted yes. that you weren't in a position mentally to know any different, to go, no, this isn't right. And to be able to process through that. I was between four and six years old. I did forget so, to say that. Yes. So little, little, little girl mm-hmm. didn't possess the ability to go, okay, well, this isn't good. And this isn't theologically sound. So that had to be absolutely just petrifying. Yes. I feel like I came face to face with a spirit of fear at that age. And one of the things that, that they would tell me and my sister was that if you told anybody if we told anybody we would be killed or our family members would be killed. So by God's grace, he helped us forget. And that's what a lot of people do when they experience trauma, you know, that's adults too, but also a lot of times little children. And so we, a lot of times we repress our memories when that happens. And that's what happened with my sister and I, we both actually repressed our memories and we did not remember again until junior high. So when we were both in junior high school, right before we went into the seventh grade, we had an encounter with another extended family member who wasn't one of the people involved that I know of, Um, but he creeped us out a lot, very creeped out. So that triggered us and that triggered the memories to start. So um, we told our parents all I knew at the time. And all my sister really knew at the time was that we were sexually abused. So that's where we began to deal with was the sexual abuse. We didn't remember the ritual abuse until later. Um, And so my, my parents got us involved in a counselor. Um, You know, they tried to do everything that they could to really help us be able to process in a healthy way. My sister Mm -hmm. responded really healthy. She talked with my mom. She was very open emotionally. She talked with our counselor, really processed it in her own way. For me, I processed in a completely different way. I became incredibly Mm -hmm. angry. And I pushed away my parents. I pushed away my sister. I didn't want anything to do with them. I just was so angry. Mm. And at the same time, this torrential amount of fear was coming back into my life as I began to remember these things. I relate so well with you referring to fear as the initial response to that being anger. Um, That yeah. And I think it's interesting that you draw the line about your sister processed one way, same Mm -hmm. thing happened to both of you, same age because you're twins, right? Same situation you're experiencing, but because you're different people, she processed one way you processed another. And with, and well, and with that, that happens with people all the time, but Mm -hmm. in our situation, there was, because there was such a mental abuse there was some different ways that I was abused than what she was abused, which we didn't know at that point. But as our memories have come back, Mm -hmm. she's really gone. Oh, wow. Like that. She, so she, now as an adult, she has a counselor who specializes in ritual abuse. And that counselor has said that makes so much more sense. Why Lauren has processed the way that she has versus how my sister has. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. because we were, we were abused differently, which is just strange, but that just goes to show you satanically. They just, they want to steal, kill and destroy, and they'll try Absolutely. to figure do it whatever way they can. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can experience the exact same thing and respond so very different Definitely, too. So yes. it's, it's really, it's really crazy. So I, I became so fearful mm-hmm. and, um, I d- couldn't really go anywhere without being afraid of being kidnapped or killed. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't go outside the house. I mean, this is junior high. Most, most kids are learning independence yes. and they're wanting to get away and they're wanting to go on walks and get away from their family and go places. I was terrified. Um, so just really, again, just fear overshadowed everything. And then I had the anger and then shame, just a whole, I just felt really dirty. And Talk to um, me more about that, because that is something that, um, I know I have struggled with still do, but mm-hmm. I know that it, there's something about it that makes it so heavy. There's yeah. something about shame that brings you to the point of disgust. And when there's yeah. disgust involved, I don't know, there's just something so hard to carry that around and isolating, yeah, yeah. you know, it makes you that. not feel like you're lovable. It makes you feel misunderstood. At least it did mm-hmm. for me. I felt like there's nobody who understands me on this earth. Yes. Um, and I just felt really dirty. And later as I, as I got older and I'll go into that a little bit more, but I, the Lord really, you know, I saw myself as a child when, when I, in a prayer time, one time I saw myself as a child and I was just covered in dirt and I had just, mm-hmm. I was filthy and that's how I felt. Yes. You know, so that's the only way I can describe it is I just felt unwanted. My hair was disheveled. I just looked like this crazy little thing that nobody would like. Mm-hmm. That's what I saw in, in the, in the vision that I had, but the mm-hmm. Lord took my hand and said, I love you. And he, and he loved me in the middle of yes. that, in that, in that vision that I had. So there was healing and redemption. I wasn't just left with, Oh, wow, you are disheveled looking. It's just, he's like, yes. no, I love you. Let me give you new, new clothes. Not just and he, like. I've made a way for you, you miserable, pitiful, pathetic person. Right. God gave you dignity. He did. He gave me clean white clothes and he washed my hair and he told me that I belonged to him and that I was his child. And so that was so healing. And that was all in that, in a vision that I had, um, Mm -hmm. as I got older, but, but during that time in, in junior high, the only person that I would let into my heart remember I pushed everybody else away. The only person was Jesus. And the only reason that I I let him, isn't that amazing. And that's because of his goodness, because I never, I never would have chosen that, but he had revealed himself to me from the time that I was really little. So even dad, is that, that that was the entry, that was the entry point potentially. Um, but through, um, through dreams, I would have dreams of him coming and he showed me my calling, like dreams at four years old that you just shouldn't or wouldn't be having that were really intense, but I was setting captives free. So Mm -hmm. that kind of a thing that I, I had, I was raised Lutheran. We didn't, just didn't talk like that. It was very, you know, Mm -hmm. so it was a special thing that the Lord had told me I belonged to him, that he loved me. He just made it very clear. I remember even at the age of six or seven, I, I found an old, a Lutheran hymnal at my house and I probably couldn't read that well at that point, but somehow mm-hmm. I'm reading this Lutheran hymnal and I'm crying, te- 
tears of joy because I'm experiencing what I didn't know was the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I'm reading one of the hymns and it's talking about this is the feast of victory for our God. And it's talking about when we get to heaven and we're just, we're just celebrating this feast of victory with God. I'm crying. And I remember going to my mom, like, I'm crying. Why am I crying? This is so cool. But it was because it was the Holy Spirit. So he just, he showed himself to me. My parents read me the the Chronicles of Narnia and in the Chronicles of Narnia, the author C.S. Lewis really reveals Jesus in such a beautiful way through Aslan. It does, yeah. Yeah. And so I learned about Jesus through Aslan and his love and he's mighty mm-hmm. and he's fierce, but he's also like loving. Yes. And so I found um, even in junior high, I, I reread some of those books and I just found an escape going, you know, through mm-hmm. the wardrobe with Susan and Edmund and Lucy yes. and, um, <laughs> and Peter and just experiencing Jesus there. So I would talk with Jesus all the time in my head. He was really the only one that I would let into my heart in middle school and high school. So he made provision for yeah. the pain yes. and, and the places of darkness that you would walk yes. before, before you ever even had any inkling yes. of what, because I think your calling it getting, receiving your calling is such a precious gift. And I believe God has a calling for every one of his children. I agree. But when you receive your calling, there's a cost. Yeah. And we can't get to the calling without the cost. And the cost is where we need the provision of Jesus to be, you know, made manifest in our lives, right? Because we can't do it on our own. We can't, we can't arrive at our own. Not only can we not do good on our own, but we can't get through hard times. And so what I see is I see this provision being made. Yeah. All the way along, he knew Such grace. that he was going to take care of you. That's exactly right. And I did feel taken care of as long, you know, as much as I did feel so much heaviness too, mm-hmm. he was a comfort to me. The fact that I even had any comfort was just such a, a miracle yes. um, through that time. So, you know, my relationship with Jesus was very personal um, during that time, just very private. I and then that. when I, when I went to college, It became public because I experienced Jesus on a new level. I heard a a preacher speak on my college campus. He really was an evangelist. And Mm -hmm. it was, he shared the full gospel. He said, Jesus died for me and told me the whole story of how, you know, he, he spoke this to, you know, hundreds of people in the room, but it was to you, but it was to me. And so, um, you know, he, he talked about just the horrible things that Jesus went through. I had maybe heard some of these things before, but there was something new about this, that it just, my eyes were open. And he said, I don't want us to just bow our head and close our eyes and have you raise your hand for salvation. If you want to come to Jesus, I want you to make a bold declaration. Now I had a personal, I did have a personal relationship with Jesus, but now I understand Mm -hmm. a little bit about that born again thing, because there was, there was something that happened because he said, I want you to stand on your feet and in front of everybody and make a bold declaration. If you want to choose Jesus. I didn't even think about it. It wasn't, I should stand up. No, I don't want to. I all of a sudden I was you on my feet. It. Yes. And it felt like light was all around me and I was bawling because of the love of the Lord. And then when I really came to, I realized there's hundreds of other people standing, giving their lives to Jesus as well. So the power of the Lord was there. And I just, from that was a pivotal point of life change for me from that point forward. Mm-hmm. 
I, it was like the lights came on. I mean, God in his mercy broke through and I got plugged into a church. Um, I got with, and and it was a lot of people that were in college. It was a college age church. Um, And so I really began a very fitting place, very fitting place where Mm -hmm. remember, I did not feel fully known or loved by anybody. I had one best Mm -hmm. friend in, um, in junior high and high school and we were close, but, um, but she didn't have a relationship with the Lord. So there was a, there was a way that we could connect there. Yeah. It was disconnect. So when I went to college and I met these, these, these people that were like-minded and they were pursuing Jesus as well, they were also learning a lot from our pastor at the time Mm -hmm. about freedom prayer and praying people through strongholds and deliverance. And so I experienced a lot of prayer and deliverance from fear and shame and anger, rejection, all that, that hung over me, that heaviness that you talked about that just felt Mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, that, that was delivered spiritually off of me through multiple prayer times and multiple, multiple prayer times. I want to stop you there. Yeah. People often think with warfare, if they believe in it to begin with, because either you're either, nope not going there or you believe everything and its brother is from Satan and you know, you can't yes. you drop a pencil and somehow he's <laughs> tripped you. Right. The, the healthy line is that line in the middle where it's very real. We take it seriously, but it's not this, we don't become afraid of the enemy because again, right. we are victorious in Christ Yes, over the enemy with all powers and principalities under our feet because we belong to Christ. But my point that I want to go back to is you said multiple prayer times. It's not once and done, is it? No, no, it is not. Especially when you're dealing with emotional pain and spiritual, that spiritual layers that build up over years and years. And so for me, you know, the fear, yes, maybe I knew the root of where it came in, but then there was multiple other things in my life that maybe, you know, the enemy used to try to confirm that fear and say, this is why you should be afraid. And this is why you should feel disgusting. And this is why you should feel Mm -hmm. You know, so you have a deliverance Uh and it's very real for me. This is how it happened. And I want to know if this is somewhat similar for you. You Uh had the deliverance, then things would get worse, not better. And then you would have an opportunity to fall back into it. And you had to take kind of a stand and, and say, I'm not going to, I know what I was delivered from. And then there would be a period of, of great victory. Is that some, does that. I, I feel like that is, I've heard a number of people say that. And then for me, um, it was similar in some regards, but I, I did feel a, I, it didn't get worse for me. It it felt like there was a release, but then there were always opportunities to go go back back. to that Mm -hmm. and where you have to choose to make a decision. And so there's the power. Yes. Yeah. There's such like, yes, there's such free. That's exactly right. And there's such, and yeah, choosing to say no to those spirits and say yes to what God has for you in, in Christ. And so there's power in not only rebuking the enemy and rebuking those, those spiritual forces that want to steal. Yes. 
and destroy, but then realizing that God gave us a mind and a will yes. and emotions that we say, put those in alignment and, and underneath Absolutely, Christ and because God they help us. fight against it too. So it's yes. not everything is all Satan. There right. is an aspect of spiritual warfare that's very real. But then on the other side of that is a, a sinful human that still struggles, right? Still has negative emotions, negative coping mechanisms that has nothing yes. to do with Satan and everything to do with being a fallen human in a fallen world. So we have to put both of those things together. And then again, when we have the deliverance from the spiritual aspect of it, then we have to choose to walk in that freedom. Right. Absolutely. Just awesome. Awesome story. Okay. Keep going. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's so good. So, um, yeah. Um, let me see. Um, I know I interrupted you were just about in the college uh, church, yeah. you learn so much from your pastor. Yes. And, you know, well, and actually, you know, when I got delivered from that spirit of fear, you know, it, that was in a prayer time with the pastor and a few other people. And they were, they were seeing all sorts of stuff in the spiritual that was happening. And I felt so mm-hmm. much lighter. And on my way home from church, I'm driving home from church. Cause by that time, I think I might've been a senior in college. Okay. And, uh, and I, there was somebody that pulls up next to me playing incredibly demonic music. And they're literally making the sign of Satan at me sticking, like have their tongue hanging out of their mouth. Like it was the enemy. Like I'm trying to bring fear back to you. And I'm like, I know you, I know exactly what's happening. Jesus just got the victory and the enemy is doing everything he can to go after it. And so literally right after I got free from, from fear and that happened, then I feel like, okay, God, I've always been terrified to travel or go anywhere by myself because of fear. So I'm going to go to the beach and I'm going to stay for two or three nights by myself wow. and even driving there. Cause driving to the store <laughs> or driving anywhere, I'd be afraid that my car would break down and I would be killed or kidnapped. So I, but I did it. So that was my, my, way of choosing to step out and bust through that fear, right? I'm making that decision to go. Well, I remember going to half price books and I'm, I'm in there and I'm looking for a book before I go. Cause I want a godly book that to read while Mm -hmm. I'm there, Mm -hmm. I'm in the Christian section. And then these two witches literally dressed in witch garb were, were right there. And they were, they literally weren't moving so that I could not get behind them to get to the book I wanted. And they were staring me right in the face and the enemy was trying to intimidate. And I just, I just literally acted like they were no big deal. I moved around them and I went and got my book and I, and I left, but they continued to stand there and stare. And I know they were cursing, but I was like, Jesus, okay, we're getting somewhere. So 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 what did you feel in that moment? What did fear? Okay. I mean, there was fear. Yes. I felt, oh gosh, this is scary. This is like a, a demonic. So you, you know, felt fear, but something within your spirit knew. Yes. Yes. And I knew that if I'm feeling fear in this moment, this is the enemy's attack against me mm-hmm. because God is doing something significant in my the life. Fear was the red flag for you yeah. to act by faith. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And that fear, you know, 
I was delivered from it, but like, like you said that the, it really does continue to come and try to present itself, but you do get stronger and stronger yes. in the spirit. You know, I remember seeing a picture, uh, you know, I was praying through for, for my husband through some stuff and I saw him just getting really buff muscles in the spiritual because he was bench pressing mm-hmm. faith. And the more he, he said no to his feelings and the more that he said no to those, those spirits, the more he got stronger and stronger and stronger. Stronger. And then the, the, the less hard it is now fear is not really as big of a thing for me because mm-hmm. I've had to hit it down and strike so it down many through times, so many times. And in so many ways, even being on a podcast, speaking in front mm-hmm. of women's groups about my book and different things, preaching at our church, I, I, that is not something that comes naturally to me. Um, it is because God gave that to me as a gifting, but it was hidden for so long because I was terrified to do it. I thought I thought I'd rather die. But yes. when I choose to say yes and bust through it, now it's so much easier and I can just log on to the podcast and be like, let's do it. That's, and it's and it's, it's not so this incredible. You because, know what I mean? Yes, I do. Two things that you said that stand out that I want to I want to go back to. You said that he helped you and you so you overcame you were you were faced with it so many times, but in so many ways, the spiritual life is like an onion. Yes. Layer after layer after layer. And just as there are layer after layer of things we need to address that we need to be freed from, there are layer after layer of truths and of blessing that when we're doing one and they simultaneously are one after another, we're peeling back layers going deeper and deeper. And so that is an interesting point that you make that everybody that's listening to this needs to understand that just because you overcome one aspect of something, there may be more. So don't get discouraged as you are peeling back the layers. That is a normal part of deliverance and freedom. And then my pastor even taught that to us, that exact analogy of you're peeling away the onion. It was so good to know that it seems a little overwhelming sometimes. It does. Absolutely. <laughs> Cause there's so many layers to the, onion, yeah. and when you're cutting it, it causes you to burn, right. turns your hands purple and it makes you have these painful tears. Right. But what we need to understand is that this journey isn't one that we're going through because we're in trouble or right. we're, you know, we're cursed or, but it's, when you're going and you're peeling the layers back, you're going deeper. And so yeah. just as you're going to a deeper freedom from realizing the things that you need to change or that need to be different. Yes, it's painful, but it's taking you somewhere that is so rooted in truth and strength right. and has right. such a blessing and, a, and the power to bring such amazing goodness from it. Absolutely. You, said, you acted, you acted. Faith is not a feeling. You can yeah. feel afraid and act in faith. You can feel disgusting and act as if you are loved. And when we act in faith, that is when things in our inner person begin to change. That's right. And you had said, I'm trying to remember the exact word that you said, but just a moment ago, you said, I'm not um, cursed mm-hmm. by God, something like that. Yes. But, 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 but is even beyond that, take it even one step further. And you say, not just I'm not cursed or I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. um, rejected by God, or that's why I'm going through these things. No, it's because I'm chosen. Amen. Amen. I'm chosen. And sometimes have an issue with, well, why would I be chosen to suffer? My response is not meant in any, any negative way, but why not? 
Why do well, we think we won't suffer in this life? Well, right. And the Lord didn't choose for us yeah. to suffer. He chose for us to do something great in this world. Yes. And the enemy is the one who comes at us with all, you know, hell unleashed. And so yes. God promises to walk with us and be with us through it, but he did not choose us to go through trials. That is not Amen. his heart, but he is sure with us yes. through them, right? He's Praise provided presence, his provision. And yes. I, I know in my own life, I've, I've never learned anything in the good times. Now, given I haven't had a whole lot of them, <laughs> <laughs> a lot in my short 38 years, but I have come to know my Jesus the most in dark nights. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you want them to end, but you want them to end because they cause you discomfort. And the more that you can learn that discomfort isn't necessarily a bad thing, that discomfort promotes change. Discomfort makes you uncomfortable. Discomfort makes you want something else. And oftentimes we, as humans, we struggle with staying passionate and staying motivated. And, and so discomfort is an invaluable uh, blessing that causes us to ache for more of God, where if things were okay, we would live very boring, uh, maybe settled, but very boring, shallow existences. And God wants us to go deep with him. He does. He does. And I think that the the blessing that I have experienced in the last few years, just even with the journey with the book is experiencing, even though it has been so hard mm-hmm. and humbling and everything, I feel more alive than ever because I know that I'm walking in the calling that God has for me and the adventure that, that yeah. God has. And he has that for every person when yes. they step through in and through whatever the trials are that you're going through. But when you're stepping in and through that and walking and asking God, show me my calling, help me to walk in the calling that you have for me, you will come alive and experience a joy Mm -hmm. and an adventure because the Lord loves adventure. And I, and that's what it is. It's an adventure. And on in adventure stories, it's scary at times. You're Mm -hmm. like, what's going to happen next? I don't know the ending. Um, but praise the Lord. He does. And it, and it is good when we have Jesus, it is good. And it is filled with hope. Amen. So, yeah. And on that note, I can just share even, you know, for me, another breakthrough that happened when I was, when I, how I came about writing the book. Um, well, and so for me, even just my kids were little, okay. Mm -hmm. My son was probably, Oh gosh, two. And my Mm -hmm. daughter was like around six when I was just overcome with anxiety and depression. And I was going through it. My husband was, he was associate pastor at the time. I was definitely helping out at the church, but I did feel like I was putting one foot in front of the other. Yes. And, um, life was just hard. You know, hormone levels were crazy. Cortisol levels were crazy. It just was, it just, all that can be affected through childbirth, but also add on top Mm -hmm. of that trauma from childhood. So Um, I was just having a really low night and my husband one night, he just said, Lauren, let's pray. Let's just ask the Lord if there's anything that he wants to speak to our hearts. And so I reluctantly was like, okay, because when you feel Mm -hmm. that way, a lot of times you feel hopeless and you feel like, Lord, what can you possibly say? That's going to make me feel better. Exactly. Um, And so, um, we prayed and we asked the Lord to speak and I, you know, we closed our eyes and my, my husband just after a couple of minutes, he lifted up his head and he said, Lauren, I hear the Lord 
calling you an author. Mm. And I was like, I wanted to laugh out of complete disbelief, like Sarah mm-hmm. in the Bible. Yeah, who wanted, that's what you I know, she, right? Uh-huh. Who laughed when the Lord said, you know, you're going to have kids. And she was like 90 or whatever. Yes. I don't know. It was nuts. And so for me, I had never been a great student. I didn't like reading. I didn't mm-hmm. enjoy writing. I, it just wasn't me. And then on top of that, I did not have any vision or anything to put to make that happen. I mean, I just was so overwhelmed yes. and, um, all I could see was all the ways I was failing. And I just felt like I was sucking all the time, you know, just everything was yes. bad. Um, and so, but my husband said, Lauren, let's just declare that God can do whatever it is that he wants to do. And so right. I declared with my mouth, with a simple little mustard seed faith that I had. And I said, Jesus, I declare you can do the impossible. You can use me to write a book if you want to. So I forgot all about that prayer time. And a year later, I'm in the car with my daughter and my son. We're on our way to church. And my daughter said, mom, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. And she said, why are boys more important than girls? And I said, why would you ask that? She was seven at the time. Mm -hmm. And I said, And she said, mom, it seems like God thinks that boys are more important than girls because all we learn about in church are boys. Hmm. And one of the things we'd been learning at our church at that point was to pay attention to Kairos moments in our life. Mm -hmm. And a Kairos moment is when God intervenes in our lives and he, it's like a lightning bolt goes off. And I, (laughs) you know, that, you know, (laughs) you know, that, you know, that, you know, and it, and it's not about if that will happen. It's about when, because it happens to all of us, but we get distracted, easily distracted by phones or shows or whatever we're doing Mm -hmm. that we don't stop and pay attention to what God is trying to get our attention with. And so one of the things we were learning was when we have a Kairos moment, we're supposed to ask ourselves two questions. What is God saying to me and what am I going to do about it? So what's the action I'm going to take? And so I knew when she asked me that question, that it was a Kairos moment, that God had something in that question. Um, and I had said to her, well, well, we've, we've talked about Ruth and, you know, you you know, and Esther and Mm -hmm. and she goes, I know, I know, I know. I, I, maybe I've heard of them. I know a little bit about them, but we don't really talk about the women like we do about the men every week at church. And so for her, that was giving her the impression that God thought they were more important because that's who we were talking about. Makes Mm -hmm. perfect sense. It does. So I was like, wow, that's profound. So I thought I'm going to buy her a book. So I went on Google and I was just going to buy a book to teach her about the women of the Bible. And when I did that at the time, there were only two books that popped up. And those two books talked about the women at more as princesses, which is not a bad thing. Um, little girls relate to princesses, but my daughter didn't. But um, I also, I loved, I love the women of the Bible because they were ordinary people. Remember, that's one of the things I felt yeah. like my dad really instilled in me. And I had read the Bible and I knew these women did incredibly heroic things for God. So mm-hmm. I'm like, why are none of these women, the women that are being talked about? And why are the women that are being talked about, talked about more like, um, I, how do you explain princesses that are, are just, just kind sort of, of born into entitlement? They born into they're, they're entitlement. Not normal. It's not right. normal to be a princess, you right. know, you have things that no one else does. There's only right. one princess per kingdom. 
you've got it. You got it. And they come across more like, like really well composed and, and quiet and proper, which I am not, my daughter is not proper. We are not, we are loud. We are bold. Mm -hmm. Um, and God can use the quiet. He can use the bold. He can use the, Mm the, um, he can just use anything. He, he loves variety that he, we have a, we serve a diverse God, praise the Lord for that. And so I'm like, where's the diversity in this, in that regard. And then secondly, every single illustration was Caucasian. And this was seven years ago or six years ago, you know, and I was like, this is, that had been on my mind since the time I was a kid, I was always wanting to make, I just have a heart for that, that people would see themselves in these images and that it wouldn't distract somebody. So like even in high school, when I, or college, when I drew a picture of Jesus, he, I made him black. I just felt like it was important for people to see it's beyond the skin color people. It's the heart. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so I just wanted, I, I felt like that was not okay. And that a lot of the Christian literature comes from America. And if in America, uh, not only are we sharing that with our own diverse country, we're sharing that with the whole world and people are only seeing that God uses Caucasians. It's giving that, that mm. implication, same sort of impression that my daughter was getting with, with women, mm. only it's with Caucasians as well. And so God absolutely loves Caucasians. He loves Asians. He loves yes. black. He loves white. He loves every single ethnicity. And so I wanted people from India and Pakistan and, and Africa and Asia to see themselves in the, in these stories. So I started to realize, I think God wants me to do something with this. I think he wants me to, to write a book. It's incredible to me to see, I'm sure, I mean, I'm I'm sure you see this too, but even beyond your daughter, that seed was planted back from before you were born because your dad put that key element there. Right. Of ordinary people. Right. These pieces are coming from all across the board in ways that even if you had an IQ of 500, we would not have been able to trace without the hand of God. Right. To see that and your daughter and your season, your season of depression played into it. Had you not been depressed, you would have not been put in a position to be desperate enough to where your husband would say, let's do this type of prayer. Let's pray to see what God has to say to us. Right. Which, because which then seemed to be nothing connected to a book, depression, right. And book, right. And a book about women. I, I know mean, it's just all across the board. You're painting a picture again, going back to you saying about your, your relationship with God growing up was intimate. Yes. This is the picture of an intimate God. Yes. This is not a God that declares you number N96 dash dash two, four, five. Yes. I know you, Lauren, you are my daughter. And not only are you my daughter, but I've made a way for everything that you are to accomplish. And it encompasses everything that you go through the good, the bad. So good. Amen to that. And he's so creative how he, nobody could have, Mm -hmm. nobody could have written that better than the Lord (laughs) and how beautiful it is. And this isn't just a story for you, what you're, what we are talking about for Lauren is what the Lord has for everyone listening. That's exactly right. And the Lord, you know, he, he, 
obviously not everybody is called to be an author, but some of you are, (laughs) and you never would have thought it. Or some of you knew that you were called to be an author from the time you were little, but some of you, you know, are called to do other things. And the Lord uses you in worship Mm -hmm. or he uses you in the, in your positions at work and he's doing powerful things through that, or you're a counselor or you're a pastor or whatever it is. There are so many ways that the Lord, um, he's just diverse. And I love that about him. And so it's about paying attention to, okay, God, when we listen to what he wants to say to us and we just do one foot in front of the other, he makes, he directs our steps. He gives you light when you, when you follow and obey the light that you're given. And what is important that you take away from what she's saying right now is that you need to take, be bold enough to take the risk. That's right. To trust that God is intimately involved and cares and has a plan for your life. And who would have known this was a whole nother level of fear that the Lord would be busting out of me Mm -hmm. because, you know, the, the, the feelings of insignificance and where you just feel like, I don't want to put myself out there in front and vulnerability, you know, cause you have to, if you write a book, what's Mm -hmm. the point of having a book that God gave you if you don't tell people about it? So people have to know about it. So then I'm, you know, you know, this was again, six, five, six years ago. I'm after I ended up self-publishing it because, um, that was the avenue that the Lord opened the door was to self-publish at that point. And I only wrote nine stories in the old Testament. It was just the old Testament women at that point. Mm -hmm. So I ended up telling, you know, I had to share at women's gatherings, right? Marketing. (laughs) Christians and marketing, <laughs> which is hard because you feel like you're like, there's something wrong in that, to do that. Yes. but, but <laughs> the Lord said, yes, you are. How else is this going to get out there? And it was, so it was another avenue of breaking through fear of what people thought about me or what I thought they thought about me. Yeah. Fear, fear of, you know, that self-promotion when in reality I'm promoting Jesus and what he did. And I Amen. want little girls to know about <laughs> these stories because this is real deal people. And then I want, you know, I, I wanted, I had, so I had to speak in front of people. I had to do all that stuff. So that was just terrifying. But then, you know, fast forward in the middle of COVID, the Lord says it's time to write the old Testament women. And so I wrote the Old Testament women, um, their stories and had, so now there's a total of 20 of that, 20 stories. And I got, I got an editor and I thought maybe she would just help me do a separate book of the New Testament. And she goes, I've got a connection with the publisher in New York. I think they would love this. She goes, let me connect you. We get on a call. They love it. They want it. They said, let's put the two stories together, make it one book. I love this. And it's called She Rose of the Bible because it's the women heroes, right? She Rose. Yes. And, you know, I'm like, get it. It's just creative. <laughs> it's so fun. It and, is. And so, and and even one thing I didn't even clarify um, that I think is really important. Remember, I said I wasn't that great at writing. Sometimes we need the Lord to hold our hand and help us find our voice and help us find who we are. And my sister was that person for me. My twin is brilliant. She got a full ride scholarship to college, um, to a university. She, she's a great writer. And so she helped me find my voice. I would write this sloppy version and she would help me write it in a better articulated way. And that was with the old Testament. And then the more I began to write, the less I needed her help. And by the time I did the new Testament, I didn't have to ask her for anything because I knew that the Holy spirit was on it and had moved through me. And this was good writing. And so it was just the, how the Lord used her to hold my hand. So 
the Lord may bring somebody alongside you to help you, you know, walk into your giftings. And maybe it's like when you first start walking and you're hobbling around and you can barely stand up and you're fall on your face or you, whatever. I love that. You don't have to walk into your gifting or you're right. You can hobble there. You can hobble. (laughs) And then the Lord gives you somebody to help you walk. And then your legs get stronger and your confidence gets, gets stronger. And you start to realize I can walk on these two legs. I don't have to have my hands on the floor too. That's the picture (laughs) that the Lord just brought to me as I'm talking is that picture of from, you know, crawling to walking and how he helps bring that confidence. And so I just, um, I encourage anybody like know that if you feel a calling that you might, that, that you may need a little bit of help to walk into it and encouragement, surround yourself with people that are going to encourage you and tell you, you can do this. Like my husband did. And my sister did, um, don't surround yourself with people who go, who don't have faith for that and don't believe that and, ha- and are hopeless in their own lives. Cause they're going to say, Oh, that's a nice idea. Wow. That's really stupid. You know, even yes. if they don't yes. fully say that they, they act that way and you feel belittled and squashed. Don't listen to that. Cause that's not from the Lord. Hope is from the Lord. And through him, yes. you can do all things through. So Christ why the heck? Yes. So why the heck not something that he's put yes. in your heart? He put it there. He's exactly. going to make it happen. And we think that verse will, we can't do all things. You can do all the things that God has called you to do. That's this right. isn't meaning you can jump off a building and fly. Right. <laughs> this isn't, a, this isn't twisting scripture, but this is no. absolutely meaning. Yes. Anything, the impossible that he has put in your heart, he intends to fulfill it. If you will just take those steps, like that is right. That is so right. A quick thing just to say about my own life, and I won't go into any details. I will leave it totally out in the air. But one of those things for me is I was a barren woman and I am the mother of seven children. So trust that the Lord will do what he says that he will do. So So powerful. We cannot, I mean, we can, but it's to our own detriment. And, you know, it was truly impossible um, for me to have children. And And it was a journey that took over eight years through very many valleys and, and, questionable things where everyone around me was like, you need to just give up on this. It's not going to happen. And I would just encourage anyone that feels something, if it is good and it aligns with scripture, then it is most likely from God because he instills in every person, this potential for limitless good and an amazing possibility that he will see us through to completion. And, and we, we have the potential to do incredible things and to overcome incredible feats and to do the impossible with God's help. And sometimes it's not going through the door by opening the handle and, and, and turning and pulling. Sometimes it's by blowing that sucker up, right? Tunneling underneath. That's right. You have to, you cannot say because it's not opening easily that it's not your door. Right. Right. Preach it. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. (laughs) Yes. So, I mean, I, it's just been quite the journey. And so, you know, my book is now going to be out in, um, 
everywhere December 7th. So awesome. Yeah. So I'm excited for that, but it's on my website. You know, I have it. It's not currently it's available for order and pre-order it's available everywhere also. Um, but also ebook version is available now too, but my, I have the hard copy. I mean, it's a paperback, but I have, I have the hard copy that I, that I sell. Yeah. On my website. And And I'm going to put a link to all of your, to your website and your book and stuff in the show notes, but tell my guests where they can get a hold of you. Yeah. So my website is laurenlnelson.com. So Lauren, L-A-U-R-E-N, the letter L and then Nelson, N-E-L-S-O-N.com. And then I'm on Facebook and Instagram at She Rose of the Bible. And She Rose is spelled just like heroes only with With an an S S. in front. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And there's so many amazing women in there, you guys. I know you and your kids. It's a children's book, but it's also great for for adults. You know, adults have really enjoyed it. There's discussion questions at the end of every chapter. There's three to four um, at the end of every story. So it's a great opportunity for you to process with your kids, but then also, um, Mm -hmm. for, for older kids to, to work on those questions themselves and kind of process on their own. If that's something that they want to do stuff to heart. Yes. And put it into action. There's a lot of opportunity to, to put, to take action to your faith. I love that. I love that. So any last bit of encouragement you want to leave my guests with? Yes. So I was, uh, I have a good friend who was going through drug addiction and that was her way of, mm-hmm. of dealing with her fears. She was self-medicating yes. and her uh, counselor asked her a question that when she told me, it just struck me and I'll never forget it. He asked her what's on the other side of fear. Mm. And she thought about it for a moment and she said, I don't know. And he said, everything you've ever wanted. Wow. Everything God has for you, every desire of your heart is on the other side of that bully fear. Mm. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, how do we get to the other side of fear? And I truly believe it's, it's really three little simple things. The first is to surrender your life to Jesus, because if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, then you cannot overcome that fear because he is our victor. He is the one who is our conqueror. He fights for us. So if we have our surrender to Jesus and we say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me, little Mm -hmm. old me, you died for me and you love me so much. And you want me to be your child. I choose you. I choose to follow you, Jesus. And I choose to surrender. It's not just, I want this, this little relationship where it's, I'll just kind of hear from you when I need comfort. It's, I want to follow you. And so when you surrender, you've given him the reins to knock that spirit down in your life. And then all you have to do is ask yourselves those two questions. What is God saying to me? And what am I going to do about it? And your daily yeses conquer that spirit of fear. And it I love that any spirit Ooh. you're dealing with. Amen. What, a, what an awesome ending. I love that, I love that <laughs> so much. Amen. Do, do not be a stranger. Come back on this show at some, at some Anytime. point. <laughs> I would love to Lauren. It has been an absolute honor to interview you. What a breath Thank of you. fresh air and, and just, um, you administered to me through this. I will tell you that. So I know Amen. that it's not just the, just the other people. I, I absolutely get stuff out of every interview, but, but this, this, you, what you said hit me hard in a number of ways. So thank Amen. you so much for being such an open, uh, obvious vessel for the Lord to speak through 
and just just a source of his love. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. I do hope you'll come back. (laughs) I will. (laughs) All right, guys. We'll see you again next week. Take care and have a good one.